1: I am a superhero, mother. And if you give me some folks, then I may forgive you. Dude, the Super Bowl is this Sunday already? Holy cow. I I actually kind of forgot about that. But, um, hey, happy February. The big question on everybody's lips. Yeah, their chap lips. On their chap lips. Right. Do you think... Phil's going to come out and see a shadow. Punxsutawney Phil. That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers. It's Groundhog Day. Well, almost. That's actually tomorrow. But who cares if Punxsutawney Phil will see a shadow? Because the question is, who will listen to the real Brian show? Those that listen will get spring early. Those who don't will receive eternal winter. (laughs)
0: Let's rock it.
1: Hello. It is Real K- Brian Show.
0: Hello. It is Captain Influence.
1: Oh, Captain. Very good to meet you. Or or talk. To, I guess we've met. So, see you. Talk to you. I am it Real be- Brian.
0: Real oh. Brian Paul.
1: <laughs> That's Real Brian Show. Oh, that was that was one of the best ones to come up at the I'll, I'll take Real Brian's hoe for 400, Alex. <laughs> yeah. No, dude, we've been watching so much Jeopardy recently.
0: <laughs> yeah. How's <laughs> you know, that going? You know, it's hilarious. Are you smarter?
1: I feel great. I feel like I'm actually, you know, getting half of the questions right. You know, and these are super intellectual questions half the time. Of course, when they start talking about poets, I don't know poetry at all. I didn't like poetry. I don't care about poetry. No offense to those who love it. It's just not my thing. So um, you know, it's not my cup of Earl Grey, but
0: they're not—they're not really super intellectual questions. They're more—it's more trivia. You just have to know true. a lot.
1: Yeah, and the stuff that these people know, you're just kind of like, wow, that's a lot. Yeah, now, how do you how do you know all that? What I had to laugh at though is this. Sometimes I feel like people are too smart for their own good. Is you know, they'll get questions like, you know, in in the 12th century, this whatever blah 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 was born in what city, and you're just like, what? Who's going to know that, you know, and then they'll show a picture of a humpback whale and say, what type of whale is this? And people, I don't know, like, seriously, how do you not know what a humpback whale is? I mean, it's like one of the most (laughs) iconic whale whales of all time, you know, and wow. So, yeah, maybe they don't
0: talk about whales in school as much as they did when we were kids, because, I mean, do you remember Voyage of the Mimi? Mm
1: -mm, I don't.
0: It was it was a really popular show in the mid '80s. I think that that a lot of school kids were you know forced to watch. And about environmentalists who went and tracked down humpback whales, Interesting. and never forgot it. And so you know, humpback whales were a big thing for me in my childhood for some reason.
1: Well, they were huge so, in the '80s because in Star Trek, you know, the Voyage <laughs> Home, which was 1986.
0: Oh yeah, and and, and at the exact same whales. time, yes, yeah, exact same time, yep.
1: And my theory was so, this. If you're that intellectual, you're probably a nerdy type. Probably not always, but probably.
0: And- or you have a really good memory. Well, that's and your history buff.
1: Yeah, that well, then that's a totally different thing. But if you are <laughs> a nerdy type, you probably watched Star Trek: The Voyage Home, which is Star Trek for probably. I mean, that was the one everybody remembers. Oh, it's the one with the whales, man. I see. We <laughs> hadn't watched Jeopardy in years, and then all of a sudden, I you know because we have YouTube TV, and I thought. We could record. Well, you can basically hit add to library and it just records every jeopardy that comes out. And I thought this is such a great show. You learn stuff. You become smarter, you know, blah, blah, blah. I will tell you this, though. I got four final jeopardy questions correct in a row. And I was like so proud of myself because most of the time you're so
0: obscure. You win, Brian. I do win. You're a winner.
1: I'm a lot smarter than I thought I was.
0: No, you're a lot more knowledgeable than you thought.
1: Oh, oh my gosh. There's a difference. Yes. You know, and that is gonna, that is something we're going to talk about in just a few minutes today about IQ versus EQ because I've got a hilarious story about this. That goes along with what you just said. I love that. You're more knowledgeable. Doesn't mean you're necessarily smarter. Hmm. Yes. Ooh. All right. Before we go any further though, are you still loving the illy espresso coffee? Is this still good for you?
0: We we ran out, and oh. now I'm, I'm. I'm. We're drinking a Lavazza oh. uh, coffee, and you know from from Italy. They advertised it a lot on uh, Seinfeld's comedians in cars getting coffee. Yes, um, <laughs> yes, they did. So so my wife picked it up <laughs> at at the store uh, last week, and we started drinking it. And you know what? I'm not very impressed, honestly. Yeah, it's now- not that great. I don't know why it's such a if if it's such a big deal. Maybe it's not. I'm very underwhelmed by it. Ili was great, but the Lavazza is not.
1: I've had Lavazza before. And it is funny because I've actually been watching those episodes that you were talking about. And yes, Lavazza (laughs) is like their coffee sponsor right now, which I thought was hilarious. My piano professor in college, she drank Lavazza everywhere. There was Lavazza. There were Lavazza mugs. I mean, it was out of control she just drank it constantly. Like, you know, 14 pots a day kind of thing. Huh? One of the coffee shops here serves it. So I've had it before It's super dark roast, super, super dark. And so we had a medium. Yeah. And even that's a super dark roast. So, you know, you went, it's like Starbucks. So they have their blonde roast is still dark. It's really funny. They say, Oh, "Oh, blonde is light. No, it's not. It's lighter than your burnt roast, but it's still very dark. Yeah. So I've had Lavazza too. It's okay. It's not wonderful. If it's brewed right and it's relatively fresh, then, you know, it's, it's pretty good, but it's not high end coffee. In my opinion, it's still corporate.
0: I've said on this show before, I've never, I've never been to a diner where I liked their coffee. My Neither Folgers is better than any diner coffee I've ever had, period.
1: Because it's fresh.
0: That's, I guess, that's even point. though it's Folgers. I don't know. Yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's weird how di- diners, I, and again, I'm repeating myself from many episodes ago, but they really should invest in better coffee because it's a diner. That's what most people have when they go to a diner is coffee and whatever. So
1: and why have crap coffee? They don't care. Yeah, obviously people go to diners. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I've been to diners before and the food isn't all that great either. It's like comfort. Yeah. food. I haven't been to too many good <laughs> diners. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they're out there, but
0: yeah. comfort food. You said it right.
1: Yeah. When I went to, so there's a place in Estes park. That's it's famous for their breakfast and their mm-hmm. breakfast especially are really good. And, you know, their eggs actually taste real and they have really good, thick, you know, flavorful bacon. And then I get this thing. That's an ap- apple pie waffle. It's so good. It's a really good waffle. Again, it tastes like it's got real ingredients. They put butter on it and then they've got the cinnamon apples. You know what I'm talking about? Where they're cooked and stewed, stewed apples. That's what I'm looking for. And then they've got apple pie crumble on the top. It's super sugar Uh, rush, but dude, it's so good. They've got great coffee. I don't know who they use, but it's bottomless coffee, you know, and it's really good. Oh, wow. Lucky you for a restaurant. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just saying so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I just haven't been to the right diner yet, but
1: I I haven't either. But that's not a diner. That's a restaurant. So I don't know. I haven't been to the right diner either. Speaking of food, I don't know about you, but Super Bowl for me is all about food. And I totally forgot the Super Bowl was this Sunday, but you can tell how much I've been totally following what's going on. (laughs) Although I've seen things on Facebook. Now, granted, you have to understand I know nothing about what's going on here, but, you know, the actual playoffs, the final playoffs right before, you know, the Rams and the Patriots, basically are going to the Super Bowl. It was the saints, right? Saints and Rams. And then the Patriots. And uh, I don't even know who it was. Was it the ba- I, Again, I, oh, I don't chiefs, follow the chiefs, chiefs. chiefs. There we go. Patriots and- yeah. Thank you. Okay. The chiefs. I heard a lot of stuff on Facebook, read a lot of stuff all over the place about how that Rams and,
0: and the saints
1: game. Yeah. Rams and saints game was just poorly called and something about, you yeah. know, the Rams are there because it's all about money and they shouldn't be there in the first place. And uh, I, no, don't well, I don't know.
0: I don't, I don't know what happened, but that Rams and Saints playoffs game had possibly one of the most famous bad calls in the history of the game Hmm. to the point where it's weird that that happened and everyone saw it and they didn't call a penalty at one point. That was was a key point in the game. And Hmm. basically the Saints got shafted bad. They should have been the ones going to the Super Bowl. That's how bad of a call it was. Yeah. All the sports talk people, I listen to Jim Rome once in a while, and all the sports talk people are just going on and on and on about it because it's just that big of a deal. Yeah. Bad calls are something that you don't want to have in general, especially when they're that blatant. They're that obvious. There's no controversy about this. There's no even question about the call. It was Mm. definitely a, why didn't you call this? Wow. Duh. You know, that's how bad it was. And you just don't, you can't do that in a game of that. Importance to the to the teams involved, the sport in general. So, yeah, not only are the Rams well, so it's it's kind of a complicated situation this this weekend because I'm rooting against the Patriots because they're the Patriots
1: and they've been there and they're months. just
0: too they're too they're the overdogs. They're too good. Yeah. Yep. And I want whoever is playing against them to win, which is why last last year's Super Bowl was so good mm-hmm. because they got beat. But this year, you know, I want to root for the Rams. I'm I'm going to root for the Rams because they're not the Patriots, but they shouldn't have been there in the first place. So it's it's really this kind of a weird situation for me. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting game.
1: I've been hearing and seeing, you know, whether it's in person seeing bad calls or seeing them on TV, you know, you know me, I watch basketball or hearing about them. And I've been seeing really bad ref calls becoming more and more prevalent recently. Now I know they've been forever, you know, you can go back and yeah. see bad ref calls. I mean, I've been a Phoenix Suns fan ever since I was a kid. And I remember the 1993 Western conference. Well, no, I guess it was the NBA finals. It was the 1993 NBA finals between the Suns and the Bulls. Cause I was a Suns fan. Mm-hmm. That was a big year for us. The calls in those games were pathetic because you could tell very clearly you could see it that they were calling in favor in favor of Michael Jordan for sure. In fact, I was reading something recently. I think it was an ESPN article and they were talking about how it's been going on since the Michael Jordan days, but now they're calling in favor of LeBron James and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and you know, people like that where they're saying, yeah, the refs, I don't know why they're doing this, but they are doing it. They're, You know, you can see LeBron clearly foul people, no call. You can see someone like get within an inch of LeBron and all of a sudden it's a foul. They didn't even touch LeBron. You know, so you see that all the time. But there's been, I guess, quite a bit of a call lately from some of the players and fans and stuff saying these games need to be called more fairly. You know, you can't constantly be calling in favor of superstars against other teams because these other teams are losing because of these bad calls, even though the games are close and they could have won if the calls had been fair. And then of course, but you don't, you, you know, you don't hear about that as much because well, it's the, it's the middle of the NBA season. Who cares? Right. It's just Who another cares? loss. Exactly. But when you're in, you know, vying Playoff for the mode. Super Bowl. Well, now you're getting a lot of attention, but apparently this is becoming a big problem and we've even seen it in the NCAA, you know, college ball. We saw some horrid calls recently, clearly horrid, yeah. clearly wrong. And I mean, they would show the replay up on the screen three times, which, you know, they don't, you do know, don't normally do that. And clearly there was the wrong call three times in a row, four times in a row happening, which almost cost our team, the game, stuff like that. So
0: yeah, that situation though, where, where refs, you know, and, and it's, it's so diverse, obviously it's, it's a much more complicated issue than we could possibly go into. But sure. You know, if, if it had been, the patriots versus somebody and it was a bad call you could throw that hypothesis out there but this was just the rams and the saints i don't know who on the rams side would be the you know the superstar that they would be helping
1: well quote, okay unquote. so get this you know our friend bad kitty yeah his his theory is is that the rams going to the super bowl brings more money to la well guess who else is bringing in a lot of money right now in la the lakers They brought LeBron in They're They're trying to make more money. They're trying to create a superstar team. They're trying to eventually take over Golden State's, you know, rise and go from there. So granted, that's kind of a conspiracy theory, but it's like, well, it sort of makes sense because L.A. has been, you know, the the butt of sports for a while. And now they're rising up again because, well, L.A. is a proud team for sports.
0: There may or may not be more going on that meets the eye, but
1: yeah. And of course don't we don't it's know. We really don't know. That's the thing. Like it's, <laughs> we don't know anything. No. no, but I mean, you are hearing about stuff like that happening a lot. And you know, I know miss ice has brought stuff up on the, in the past that how much of sports really are even truly sports anymore. You know, are they really playing? You know, we looked at, uh, so again, being a Phoenix suns fan, you know, now there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there that they're intentionally losing games again. Cause they're second worst team in the NBA yet again, even though they've got a really good roster, this year mm. finally finally good players and they're just constantly losing and so there's and the this, reason
0: for that would be well
1: so the, again conspiracy theory i don't yeah, know if entertain this is
0: us with your conspiracy theory yeah. i am just uh, yeah
1: the and this is from someone else not me but the theory is yeah. is that the owner and the you know interim team manager essentially team president or whatever you want to call him is basically saying you know what forget it we're not going to win this year so let's just tank out so we can be in the running for the number one draft pick again, because if you're the worst team, you have a good chance of becoming number one draft pick.
0: Ah, see that now that's, that's, that may be a conspiracy theory, but at least it has some merit in, you know, there's a practical reason for them to do that.
1: Totally. But Hmm, you're pissing off your fans and you're pissing off your current players who are trying to win. Right. But if you're trying to throw the game by saying, Hey, we're going to pull this person out, you know, and make them sit for a while, even though they're our star player, even right. if they're not, you know, whether they're injured or not, it's kind of like, what are you doing? <laughs> why, why are you starting a third stringer in the starting lineup? You know, stuff like that. Yeah. So huh. I don't know. I mean, and again, this is not, you know, about the Phoenix suns or anything. This is just about <laughs> how real are sports anymore. I mean, is it just another form of entertainment? Like, you know, remember wrestling WWE and F and all those.
0: It's a, it's a form of competitive entertainment. And no matter how much uh, teams throw games, even if there is some something to those conspiracy theories, it's still an entertainment for the fans.
1: True. No, I'm with you. And you know what? We've got some sports experts that listen to the show, so love to hear your conspiracy theories as well.
0: <laughs> because we're not sports experts. We rarely yeah. talk about
1: it. <laughs> it's a money thing. Regardless of how much entertainment, how real it is, it's all about money, and we totally give into it. So it is what it yeah, is. Yeah.
0: And you know what? And When it comes to money, especially money at that level, I can give even the craziest conspiracy theories some credence if it has to do with making more money totally. because that's just how the world is it is I mean, people cool. people at that level the game they play the game they play is just something that most of us talking and listening just can't even fathom totally so
1: well we talked about it last week that you know wise is the person who knows that the bottom line isn't everything kind of thing that's you know, mm-hmm. paraphrased but so Super Bowl but Sunday. and Super Bowl,
0: I, are you I'm going to be rooting though? for the underdog. My friends and I, we've started this tradition last year, and we're doing it again this year and maybe again next year. Who knows? We fly down to Tucson to see another one of our friends from high school, and he throws this big Super Bowl party every year. We're going to be there just just for the weekend to watch the Super Bowl, and then we're nice. flying back. Nice. So, yeah, most of us there are probably going to be rooting for the Rams. There's always like one or two Patriots fans there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so underdogs.
1: I'm doing that too. I'm rooting for the Rams because they're underdogs, but that's the only reason. I really don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and they got good commercials. I, well, I hope so. Hey, speaking of underdogs, I thought that was kind yeah. of a, a good point that you like to root for the underdogs. Mm-hmm. I, I'm also with you on that. I mean, how many of us really, truly could relate to being an underdog of some kind, whether we have been in our life or we are still in some way or another? I ha- was having this funny conversation with our friend. Cardiff Hall, who was on the show a while back. We were having a conversation about a bunch of things, but at one point he brought up a guy that is a multimillionaire, wonderful coach, motivational speaker, that kind of thing. He told me about it, I don't know, about a year and a half ago or whatever, and I, he has this little daily video, two to five minute videos that he puts out, and I was you know, fairly religiously watching them on a, on a daily basis for the most part. Really, really good content, but there was this part where I'm just like, I just don't relate to this guy. He's just not the kind of guy that I would hang out with. Okay, he's got this personality and these kind of interests and that's just not my kind of thing and also I don't know how easy it was for him to get there. I'm sure it was probably difficult. I'm sure he worked very very hard. I don't know if he had you know an extra advantage that we didn't but I just kind of had this weird thought that I'm just like like he doesn't strike me as the kind of person that I can relate to as a quote real person and where he's at. I almost feel like he's unattainable if that makes sense not saying it is but you know, it just feels like that. And so right, right, yeah, it's yeah. I've been having this whole operating like, on a different level. Yes. And you know, it's so funny because when I did profit cast, we were always talking about how do you how do you make money with your podcast? How do you grow to that level? And one of the things that I started to notice consistently across the board was that when I was interviewing the super successful podcasters, they had in some way forgotten what it was like to be unsuccessful, to be someone who was starting out, to be someone who hadn't made their money yet.
0: And interesting that, you know, kind of like, kind of like when you're playing an online game and people forget that they were noobs at one point too. And yes. so they're disparaging noobs all the time. Yep. I think that's just human nature.
1: <laughs> yeah. We forget that we were quote one of those real people.
0: A beginner at whatever, you know, yeah, or a beginner. even, even just we somebody who's in the, m- at some point.
1: Yeah. The middle of the journey, even it's like, we haven't attained our, we're not there yet, you know? Yeah. And the question is, will we ever really be there anyway? <laughs> you know, we're always on a journey. Yes. So yeah. Yeah, you know, I just, I I got to thinking and I was, I was asking Cardiff, I'm like, what about motivational, motivational speakers, you know, for the rest of us, you know, like, like this, for example, I am 35 years old. I am divorced and I live in a van down by the river. Yeah. I mean, people like that, you know, we need to be motivated (laughs) by people like that. (laughs) Anyway, you know, that's why the real Brian shows always tried. We've always tried to make this show a, a, a real show for real people. I mean, that's just been something that we've done, but yeah, I was kind of asking sure. like, where are the people like that? So this kind of leads me into kind of a funny, a funny discussion story. There's this lady that I know we were just chatting Now This woman is a true rocket scientist. She also taught physics and so really, really, you know, smart lady. Very interesting. Now, I think she has pretty much like almost 100% IQ and not very much EQ, but it got me thinking about IQ versus EQ. And, you know, IQ, everybody knows what IQ is, but EQ, not everybody knows. That's the emotional quotient. So, you know, your IQ tests your level of knowledge and your EQ tests your level of emotional ability, that kind of thing. Empathy, Hmm. street skills, if you want to call it that. They're also being called soft skills right now. That's kind of a new term that people are using in the corporate place, the workplace. And up until recently, soft skills were ridiculed. And it's funny because even again, even in the profit cast days, little did I know at the time I was always talking about those quote soft skills because that's just what I knew. And that's the things that I noticed that people needed to work on. And I would say 95 to 99% of the time people would be like, I don't need that. Give me a break. Those are, those are lame. Just teach me the nuts and bolts to make money. And then I would be like, I didn't actually say this to them. I wanted to, but I'd be kind of like, yeah, but you suck as a person. You're never going to make money because you're a jerk. You know, you're, you're you're
0: selfish. That was, that was, (laughs) that was showing a low EQ to even think
1: I, that I know, but I was trying to explain <laughs> to them like, no, these are really important things. And you know, you yeah. just want to be like, oh my gosh, people, you don't get it. You know, some of the the shows I've produced for, they are business leaders and they've been recently talking about how soft skills, how EQ is now becoming an essential thing. So like if you don't have these soft skills, you're never going to get certain jobs. You're never going to grow in your you know, in your career basically because you need them, especially in leadership and, you know, management and that kind of thing. Huh? Yeah. But then I they mean, also talk about it surviving in real life, you know, personal life. Like you're not going to get very far in your personal life without these kind of EQ skills essentially too.
0: at least the basics, social contract type of thing, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and so granted there are people. So like this person I was mentioning, that was the rocket scientist. She has a very natural high IQ and a very naturally low EQ
0: which is not necessarily always the case with IQ people, but go ahead.
1: No, that's true. In fact, but the thing is, is that what we typically have one of the other higher we typically do naturally. Okay. Now we can work on the lower one. What started this whole idea is that she was saying how we were swapping stories and, and stuff like that. And I was saying, you know, I played the piano and she said, Oh, I played the piano too when I was younger, you know, and I love classical music. Now, granted, you got to understand that as she talks, she has exactly no emotion like she's i literally it it sounds like i'm talking to a robot that's how completely even keel she is the whole way through she doesn't laugh she okay. doesn't smile it's very interesting but at one point she was saying you know i played piano when i was younger and she said how her mother wanted her to be an english major and a music minor and then she said but i was too smart for that and i was like whoa i take offense to that because i was a music <laughs> minor you know and i said does that mean that i'm not smart and so we got into this interesting discussion and I said, actually, I'm I consider myself to be very smart in certain areas. Like I'm very smart sure. in music and going to the EQ. I feel like I'm a very high EQ person for the most part. I purposely let that down sometimes and that's not always a good thing. <laughs> like, you know, you're you, human. You you're human. As a person. Yeah, That's bad. You know, and I, so I'm, I'm extremely smart in certain areas, but when it comes to, you know, physics and math and science, you know, like this, this woman of course, I, i'm not I'm not even remotely smart in those areas. I can sort of get by and
0: knowledgeable I'm, in those areas,
1: yeah, yes, knowledgeable. I don't have the knowledge, but there's this stigma in our culture, and obviously she even said it, that those that are like Einstein or like Stephen Hawking, et cetera, that are really, really, quote, knowledgeable, like you just said, in the areas of math and science and physics and everything else. Well, those are the smart people, and the rest of us aren't. Well, oh, that's crap. That's absolute crap. They're yeah, just more knowledgeable in those areas, and the rest of us are knowledgeable in our own areas. Right. I mean, it, that's
0: just a that's just an example of people people's tendency to generalize. That's all that is.
1: Yeah, but you hear you it know, all you, the time.
0: Well, yeah, because we all we, we can't help it. We we all generalize for the sake of conversation or even in our own heads yeah. without wanting to take the time. Or the effort to break it down because it is like everything in life is much, much more complex than we ever relate it, you know? Yeah. So well it's so, yeah. because but, yeah, so people people always say there there are the smart people and then there are people less smart. Well, obviously
1: it's not that simple. Yeah. Okay, take this for example. Let's take Stephen Hawking and then put him up against let's say Eddie Van Hillen. <laughs> and everyone's okay. gonna be like, Oh, Stephen Hawking's totally smarter. But well well, hold on. Really though? Because Eddie Van Halen was a freaking genius musically. I mean, yes. absolute genius. So were they, they're both equally as smart, but they're just like you. And I love how you said that, man. They're just knowledgeable in different areas.
0: And I don't like the word smart, to be honest, because it's just yeah. too generous, too generic. It really is. Yeah. I mean, the, the quote unquote giant quotes here, people, dumbest people on earth can be smart in some way smart about certain things totally you can be smart about certain things you can be knowledgeable in certain things but yeah the word smarts just thrown around incorrectly too much in my opinion
1: yeah i agree yeah that's what brought this whole thing up i just thought man we need to we need to change our vocabulary here because i'm too smart for music is like um that's an incorrect statement and yeah that's not cool so yeah
0: the correct statement is i
1: I'm gifted in science and math.
0: Yeah, my gifts were elsewhere.
1: (laughs) That's the correct (laughs) statement. Yes, I wanted to correct that because I've been hearing it a lot lately. And again, even watching Jeopardy, you Uh know, there's a lot of that thrown around, too. And I'm just like, dude, that is we are teaching people the wrong thing because that's not true. So anyway, I I did want to throw a couple things out that I thought was fun about the emotional side of things, the emotional quotient. That's your EQ. That's the soft skills, the street smarts you have good self-awareness. That's, that's kind of important for any of us regardless. I mean, you may not have high self-awareness, but you need to know what's going on around you. Um, of
0: course. And and, and how, you, how it affects other people around you. It,
1: the, that's yeah. That's what I, that's, Especially. that's the better way to put it. Yes. How it affects yeah. other people. Yeah. Empathy. Oh my gosh. Can I just Huge. share something really quick? Please. You know how I've, and I, please don't hear me wrong on this one, but you know how I shared like the, the month that has been our crap month. Yeah, the last few episodes, I've shared everything. There's right. been a lot of pain and a lot of junk and a lot of just suck fest. We don't want suck. suck fests. We want honk fests. Yeah, it's been in the suck of all sucks <laughs> this month. Well, you know, what kind of blew me away is how few people have actually reached out and said, oh, man, I'm sorry. You know, do you need anything? And how are you like? I'm talking a handful of people have reached out and said something and the rest haven't. And then also people that I've talked to, you know, either through text or in person or over the phone or whatever you know, Brian, how are you? Thank you for asking that by the way. And then I'll say, well, here's what's going on. They'll just be like, huh? Or okay. And then they just proceed to talk about themselves. And ah, I'm just yeah. like, well, wow, no empathy, no self-awareness. Now I do want to say this though, for those of you who did reach out, thank you. Like, I can't tell you how much that meant. It was so yeah. helpful, you know, during this time. Now, granted things are a little better this week. So we're, we're good, but good. Yeah. Empathy is like, Dude, I, I, it may not be a natural gift. Like I am not naturally gifted in empathy. Uh, no, I take that back. I'm naturally gifted in empathy. What's the one I'm not? It's a uh, mercy. I think is what they call it. You know how like people that have like a, a gift of mercy, they just want to go and help no matter what they they just give and give. You know what I'm talking about?
0: I guess. I don't know if mercy is the right word for it. Altruism.
1: Sure like yeah hyper altruism I I think it is actually that the mercy is the right term but anyway the the point being is that empathy is more of that I can sense it I can feel it and I can feel it with you I may not come alongside you and serve you you know selflessly because again that's not as anyway but empathy is like kind of one of those things everybody needs to have in some level
0: sure so ideally yeah.
1: Yeah, and then there's emotional regulation, which means, you know, you're not going to blow up at people for no reason. Uh, road rage kind of stuff. Right. Social yep. skills, better relationships. Um, I love this one. Balance of work and play. Oh, my gosh, that's so Amen. Yeah, Amen, man. That is so yeah, yeah, that's uh, okay. But then here's some other cool benefits to having a high emotional intelligence or working towards boosting your emotional intelligence a little bit. You're not going to be a perfectionist as much or at all the balance of work and play. I just said that that was, a, that was a great one embracing change easier. That's kind of a healthy thing because change happens whether you like it or not. Don't get easily distracted. Empathetic goes back to what I just said there. They know their strengths and weaknesses. That's important, man. We could go on for a long time about that one. Self-motivated. They don't dwell on the past. We've talked about that on the show before. Uh-huh. They focus on the positive. Hey, that's a good one. <laughs> and they yeah. set boundaries. I just wanted to throw out some positives. For those of you who maybe have never felt "quote smart" because you've been told that, or maybe your IQ isn't as high as others, here you go. You've got high yeah. EQ probably. So everyone
0: has value. That's that's the takeaway. or well, that's one takeaway from this. It
1: it's honestly, it's a big one. A it, big one.
0: It, it, I, IQ is not everything. Yeah. EQ is huge. Yep. most people take eq for granted and don't think about it and it's and it's only recently that it's been even a term right those soft what you're calling soft skills are something that have always been there just they 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 haven't been really analyzed that much maybe i don't know and 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 of course they have by certain people but you don't have to be quote unquote smart scholastically sure. to be smart it's just it's just a matter of poor use of a word basically yeah. society wide society wide
1: well and we're taking this worldwide hundreds of years of i mean i'm going to call it indoctrination of those things i mean we've been saying this for hundreds of years and so now i'm trying you know i think people are finally trying to say hold on hold on here and i'm helping to you know crusade that as well because it's like yeah we i don't have a high iq i mean i i love learning about knowledge and things and i'm always fascinated you know when when this person's talking about physics and you know Einstein. I don't know what she's talking about, but I'm like, help me understand it because this is fascinating. But I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I love it's, stuff it's really like that. <laughs> fascinating. But I'm never gonna be that person, and that's okay. Right. So right. Yeah. The the funny part of that story as well, the the wrap up of that is goes along with what you said is that everybody has value. And I had said something about that. I said, you know, we need people like you who have high knowledge in math and science and physics and, and astrophysics and those types of things. And
0: you wouldn't have your smartphones if you didn't
1: exactly. We wouldn't be, you know, curing diseases and flying into space and all kinds of things like that, you know,
0: or flying at all. That's
1: true. (laughs) But then you also need people who are highly knowledgeable and gifted in these other areas. You know, in fact, I was talking to Sarah about this, that at least as far as I'm aware of the only two universal languages are math, obviously, and music. And so music is essential I had said that, you know, we need all these skills and we need the benefits of everybody's talents and strengths and, you know, giftings and the other people there were, they were like, yes, I totally agree with you. So yes, that goes back to everyone has value and it's true. And if you're one of those people, that's just like, man, you know, sometimes I wonder like, do I have anything to offer? And I I feel like most people do, but I hear it once in a while. I'll I'll hear a listener just mention something in passing, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're just like, dude, You do have value. You know, you do have something to offer this world. You do have a strength. You are knowledgeable in that area, which means, guess what? You are smart, regardless of what society says. So, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out. I thought that was a very interesting experience that I had. Yeah. So, hopefully, it's encouraging. All right. Now, you have overcome adversity and unleashed your superhero in Assassin's Creed Odyssey.
0: Oh, God. Yes. (laughs) Talk about superhero releasing. Holy cow. What a good game. If anybody likes Assassin's Creed, I've talked about it. I'm not going to go on about it, honestly. I've already done that. But I, I finished it about a week ago. It's got like two endings. That's the only weird thing about the game is that it, it has two separate endings, sort of. Like two separate quest lines that end. And then there's just a bunch of random like filler quests that you can continue playing if you want to keep going. It didn't have the the, the huge climax that I want in a game. But as as an experience, as a waste of time, if you will, it was bar none. Very good game. Nice. So, but I'm excited about I'm excited, quote unquote, because it's been going for what five years now, and oh, geez. still, and it still is at least a couple of years out. But wow. th- there's a new there's a new MMO coming out called Pantheon: Rise of the Fallen. Okay, it started in 2014 with a Kickstarter campaign. One of its primary creators is is a man named Brad McQuaid. And any of you old school MMO nuts may remember his name as one of the creators of the game EverQuest, which was the first big MMO back in
1: 1999
0: Mm. that, indirectly gave rise to, say, World of Warcraft and all the other MMOs that have come after. But EverQuest was the first, and Brad McQuaid was one of its creators, and he's doing this Pantheon Rise of the Fallen. I guess a lot, especially a lot of the old-school MMO players, are really excited about this game because it's kind of going back to the old roots of... Massive multiplayer online games where you don't have the, the current paradigm for those games is microtransactions yeah, and uh, yeah. pay to, what they call pay to play. Yep. Where even the games, a lot, a lot of those games are free now and they make their money out of microtransactions. Like you can throw $20 to get a really cool mount in Guild Wars 2, for example. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to pay a cent once you buy the game for Guild Wars 2, and you still get all the really good content of the game. They do have microtransactions for people who want to spend real money to get cooler stuff in the game. So to Some be, games are worse than others.
1: Yeah, to be fair, really quick about Guild Wars 2, though, is that they actually, yeah. in my opinion, do it right in that you buy the game, you pay one fee for the game, and then you get everything in the gameplay. You don't need to actually spend another dime on the game in order to play the game fully into its fullest right. capacity. However, Correct. the free to play games, there are times like, for example, we were talking about Star Wars, the old Republic. It's an older game. We were like, man, we should go back and play that. You know, you're paying $15 a month subscription. If you really want to play the game, right? If you want right. to play the free game, you are limited so hard that it makes gameplay kind of suck. So to me, uh-huh. that's like you have to especially pay in it.
0: the later game. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's yeah. and so it's like, yeah, Guild Wars. So, it's like you don't need to pay a dime to enjoy the game. But other games True. that kind of make you do it like, oh, it's free, but you're going to have a crappy experience. I'm tired of that.
0: No, I, and I hear you. And different games are, are different about uh, the levels that they go to with that. But but mm-hmm. Pantheon is supposedly is going to have none of that. You know, But the game's been in development since 2014. It's still in pre-alpha. It is happening. I know a lot of games arrive stillborn. EverQuest Next was going to be a big EQ sequel mm-hmm. a few years ago, and it just died on the vine. But apparently, Pantheon is is really happening. It's in pre alpha right now. It's been there for two years. It should be beta within the next year. But anyway, it, it's happening. It looks really cool. The video is online. There's a lot of you know reviews and videos from the game uh, experts out there that have that have tried the pre alpha and interviewed the creators, et cetera. And so it is happening, might be really grindy like EverQuest was. EverQuest was the king of grind Mm. and it still is. If you play project 99 anyway, so we'll see what, we'll see what it's like, but I'm, I'm kind of excited for it. I just wish it worked sooner. It's just going to be a long time.
1: I looked at the website and it said something like the game you've been final or finally the game you've been waiting for. And you know, the irony behind that, the MMO you've been waiting for is finally coming. That's what it said. Here's the irony. Johnny Pistolshot brought this up and I completely agree with him. Uh-huh. When are they going to stop making fantasy games? Enough is enough. They're all fantasy games. Every one of them. It's all this, you know, you go back in history and you play the typical wizard, you know, ranger uh-huh. warrior, blah, blah, blah. That's not what I'm waiting for. So no, the MMO that I've been waiting for is something completely different Something that is set in the future, ideally. It's a full-on sci-fi kind of game. Take the Mass Effect style of game. those uh-huh. were I never even played all the way through those, but it looked amazing. Take a Mass Effect kind of game or a Halo kind of game and create an MMO around something along yes. those lines. Do something yeah. totally different, something that has never been done before. That's the MMO that I've been waiting for.
0: Yeah. Blizzard might be doing that. We're, we're, a lot of Blizzard fans are still kind of crossing their fingers that they're going to turn StarCraft into an MMO. But we've been talking about that for a decade and nothing's happened yet, but I really hope that they do that because well, they're the ones who would do it. The Marvel and DC universes, they have those online games. Those are actually okay.
1: yeah, yeah Where you they're, can they're
0: create okay. your own superhero and play them. But all the MMOs out right now are of the same. They all have the same mechanics generally yep. and the same type of play style. Get a quest from this guy and go get the 10 of these things or kill 10 of these things and return to the guy and get some experience or a reward. It's all the same formula. But.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. So like the Marvel and the DC stuff, you really can't get anywhere without paying microtransactions. Okay. And that was the okay, thing. Yeah, those we we played those, yeah. those and it was just so frustrating. Now, if you remember, Oh, what was that game where it was a, it was a first person MMO. That was the superhero one.
0: Oh, city of heroes. Yeah. City of villains.
1: City of heroes. That was amazing and then they shut it down you're just like oh my gosh that was the most incredible game at the time
0: best character creation of any game ever
1: yeah it was amazing so looking at destiny i know some of you're going to say well destiny's futuristic and it was an mmo type of thing well yeah but it had very little story and it died very quickly and it basically just went into full-on grind after that so it was on the right track but it did not create anything new and here's the other thing This is my other complaint, and by the way, for those of you don't play video games, you're just like, I don't know. I don't play video games. No, but (laughs) listen to this. This is important. The games that go here's story, and then you spend the entire quest doing nothing but killing everything on the screen. That's not creative. (laughs) It gets old, you know, and I want that's formulaic. It is. I want stuff that's like, give me story. Sure, I don't mind killing stuff periodically, you know, if it's coming at me, you know, but give me something that I got to solve. Give me a puzzle. Have an entire quest that has no killing in it. You know, in fact, that was something that I liked about. I don't even remember what game it was, but there, I think it was Splinter Cell, some of those games. There were games like that where you could not be seen if you wanted to beat the quest or or the whatever the mission or whatever. You oh, could yeah, not yeah. kill because you would Full die. Stealth, and, yeah. yeah, so you had to actually you know, create all these crazy little puzzles. It was really fun. And, and speaking of that, here's an old, it's, it's a newer game, but it's an old school style game that was just free on Humble Bundle, I think last week. And I don't know how to pronounce it. Deponia or Deponia. It's D E P O N I A. And it's called that Deponia, the complete journey. And it was funny because I was like, what is this? This looks really interesting. It reminds me of the style of the original Monkey Island games, you know the the newer oh, Monkey yeah. Island games, you know with the the newer graphics. But it's set I think in the future in the sense of that you're on this planet and it's kind of junky and you're trying to get off the planet and all that, but it's all puzzle-based. It's funny. Huh. And you know you're walking around that looking down on the screen, not down on it, but you know kind of away at it, you know like you click point and the guy walks around and you're trying to figure out how to do things and mm-hmm. it's just like those old style games where you know you're not fighting anything you're just trying to figure out things and you're trying to figure out how do i how do i make my little spaceship work so that i can blast off and you know it's really really fun and i've barely played it but i just thought this is refreshing i mean i know it's an yeah. old style but it's different so makes you think
0: but it's but it's not for everybody there are i no. mean there is something to be said for just the mindless Kill, kill, kill! And I hate to say that because I, yeah, I every true, every time I play every time I play a video game where I'm killing or shooting something, I think, why Why is this entertaining to me? Honestly, yeah, well, <laughs> why, why Why are we as as animals so <laughs> obsessed with killing and murdering in virtual worlds? Yeah, you know, I, know. I mean, m- most of us are not in reality, obviously. Thank God. But most games, I, I would say, a, 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 the majority, the percentage of games out there, have to do with you killing someone or something,
1: yeah that's true,
0: <laughs> but but there is, but but back to what I was saying is there there is a place for games where you do nothing but just act if you will, and not have to think too much is what I'm getting at. There's a place for those games, so sure, but there's also a place for the games you're just describing, and yep. I, I don't think that there are enough of them out there, at least there's probably a ton of indie games like that, but not mainstream,
1: true, yeah, and maybe that's where you go after the indie games, yeah. you know you bring up a good question though, and I think that's one of the reasons I've always liked guild wars or the halo games or stuff like that is because I mean, granted it's still killing. So is it, is it, can you justify this? But it's like, well, I'm killing aliens. So technically they're not quote real. Um, (laughs) It's still still killing, but I mean, you know, it's aliens. I'm not killing humans. You know, like I, there's something in me that has a mental block about playing any of the grand theft auto games because mowing down innocent pedestrians, for even fun, if they're
0: just pixels it's still there's something pixels. wrong
1: with that I have a real problem yeah. with that and so I will not play those yeah. games but killing an alien it's like well aliens whatever right or or in <laughs> guild Wars you're killing like undead well they're already dead so whatever you know or they're they're yeah. I don't know they're spirits you're you know you're not killing humans necessarily in that game and so there's it, it's a more of a disconnect but still you're right it's like why are yeah. we entertained with that that is kind of weird. It doesn't make me more violent, though, which is good. But yeah, it does make some people.
0: And it's interesting. It's 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 one of those human human nature things what's wrong with that, us that most <laughs> people don't think about. They take it for granted. I mean, uh, why would anybody think? Why do we always play games where people are killing other people or or things or yeah. whatever? Killing, ending lives virtually is what
1: it is. It's <laughs> it's a very so, valid question, man. It really is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But hey. I'm just as guilty of it as anybody else, I know. Uh, although oh, I, know. I, I side with you on the, the Grand Theft Auto stuff. Even even back when it was in its heyday, when it first came out and it was so huge in the early 2000s, it never appealed to me because of the exact reason you just gave. I just don't pretend murder does not do it for me unless it's a that's military good. setting. You know, Well, that's, <laughs> I love again, playing that's military different. games. Yeah, that's different. So, Yeah, but it isn't. It isn't. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a bit of hypocrisy in that, but.
1: Well, no, that's true. That's true. Well, there's still some humanity in the three of us left. That's good. High (laughs) EQ. All right. um, We are going to go see Glass tonight. Finally, Uh, I've been very excited about going to see that. That is the third movie of the Unbreakable split series. The M. Night Shyamalan. Yep. I went and rewatched Unbreakable because I had realized that I'd only seen that movie once Back about the time that it came out, somewhere in around the two thousand era, yeah, I just had this memory of Unbreakable being super slow and almost like, what is going on? And I went back and rewatched it, and I'm like, oh nope, that memory was correct. Actually, it's extremely <laughs> slow, and nothing really actually happens in the movie until like the last twenty-ish minutes. Still enjoyable to watch. Rewatching Split, man, that was such a good movie, so 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 good, and still so amazing how they tied that together with unbreakable, but oh my gosh, I'm still even the second time just marveling at James McAvoy's, you know, holy cow, his, his acting ability in that, but it was good to rewatch that because seeing glass tonight, you know, pulls all this together. So we're going to see how that goes and I'll report on that next week.
0: Good. Can't wait. Cause I, have never seen split. I saw unbreakable like you did by mm-hmm. way back when it yeah. was right after it came out on DVD. I think I didn't know it was a trilogy until the new movies coming out. So
1: I was so thankful to, go and see split when it came out because you know going into the movie we're just thinking this is just some crazy movie about a guy with you know multiple personalities and literally it's not until the last one minute of the movie that you realize what the they're tying this together and it was so great it was such a such a Shyamalan surprise I love that good going into the TV side of things you know I I watched manifest and I've heard a lot of comments from people saying I I love manifest or "Eh, you know manifest is good but there's so much drama and they put too much emphasis on the drama and not on the sci-fi stuff which I totally agree with. And the latest two episodes, you know, came back after their winter break. And so Sarah and I just caught up on those. Wow. Incredible. They definitely have toned down the the drama side of things, which by the way, I did not mind it because it developed the characters to get to where we're at, at this point in the, in the season. And so having that development, there was some necessity to it just so that you actually care about these characters and what's going on because these two episodes, wow, wow, really good. So anyway, if you're a manifest fan or if you want to give it a a shot, totally worth it. Just keep going though. It's, it's, it's a really well done show and I hope it doesn't get canceled because it's really smart and it's fun and they're doing a great job pulling it all together. So I love it. Now I mentioned Orville last week watching episodes one and two had my thoughts on that. I know some people really hated it and that's fine. You know, this goes back to beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I have stopped comparing Orville and Star Trek discovery to each other because they're just plain different. You know I'm thankful we have both and I want both because for me Star Trek Discovery I think Justina Green Butterfly mentioned something like this you know that she likes to watch her more intense or even scary things in the daytime and then want something calmer at night. I'm the same way and it's exactly right like Orville's a great show to watch you know as you're winding down later in the evening or at night Discovery on the other hand it's too intense like I want to. I don't want to go to bed after that. So I, that's a good show to watch earlier in the day, you know, on a weekend or something like that. So anyway, it's that's like
0: playing alien isolation at the end yeah. of the day. What right, right before you see? Yeah. Who, who does that? That's how I, that's how I unwind. Oh my gosh, have a, have a, have an apex predator stalking me through a space station. That's the best way to
1: unwind uh, ever. Well, I'm off to bed guys. <laughs> You're laying in bed wide eyed. shivering. sleep.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so true. Uh, funny.
1: Well, anyway, anyway, Orville episode three was fantastic. I don't want to give anything away. There's a very sad moment and that really, I was sad about it and I'm not happy about it and it makes me mad, but not, not like they didn't do anything wrong. It's just, it was a decision and I was like, Oh, so episode three really, really enjoyed it. And I'm on episode four right now. And so far it just reminds me of a really great star Trek, the next generation episode. So yeah. again, I love both, you know, and it was so funny because we used to compare those last year and I just thought, why are we comparing them? They're different shows, but I heard an interesting comment. People that love Seth MacFarlane were coming in and saying I was expecting this show to be more like the family guy and <laughs> it's more like Star Trek The Next Generation. And then the comment was, well, you know, Seth MacFarlane has always been a, a Trekkie and always wanted to be on a Star Trek show and never has been. So that's why he created the Orville so he could be on a Star Trek show. And I thought, Well, that makes sense. And it is. It's it's Star Trek, the next generation with a lot of crazy humor. It's kind of how I take it.
0: I was expecting Orville before it, you know, when it was about to come out originally to, because it was helmed by Seth MacFarlane, not to be family guy because that's its own animal, but to at least be a comic parody of Star Trek. That's what I was expecting. A pure comic parody of Star Trek parody. Yep. And that's not what it was. So.
1: It is there are aspects of parody, and I've said that there are things that they used to say in Star Trek that I would never expect any human being ever to say. Yeah. And so they've parodied that a lot. Acknowledged. Who says that? I mean, let's be completely honest. Nerds. Yeah, You say, yes, sir. Or, okay, sounds good. You know, you don't say acknowledged. Nobody says that word. I don't even know. Or a
0: gamer. Uh, MMO gamer old school MMO gamer will say I and nay a lot.
1: Well, yeah. Okay, (laughs) but there's always been weird things in the Star Trek universe about the way people respond. Maybe that's how the military does it. I don't know, but it just always felt very weird and very unnecessary. They used to say a lot of stuff like that. If you actually go back and watch you know, the next generation and Voyager and deep space nine, you're going to hear like a dialect that goes across those three shows that like nobody says those things.
0: If I were watching star Trek next generation and they were, instead of saying affirmative, you know, if Worf said, yeah,
1: well, okay. They need to be (laughs) more formal. (laughs) I understand that, but he like, I get yes, sir. Or, you know, gladly, sir. He used to say that a lot, but you know, sure. Okay affirmative makes sense because you know that's easier than saying yes if you didn't catch what that meant or you know that's right what i mean right no no left you know that kind of thing like correct is good <laughs> so i mean I, I totally understand formality and stuff but there were just some things that felt so unnatural in star trek and they uh-huh. they do parody that you know that's one of the things i've always loved about orville okay. but uh, you know beyond that the stories are fairly serious and i like it that way because it actually creates good entertainment good story if it was too much of a parody, I don't think you'd have a long shelf life.
0: With Orville, I was really hoping for Galaxy Quest, the, sh- the series.
1: <laughs> oh, now. Okay, so that I would love, but here's the thing. There was still a serious story. It was a yeah. total parody, but it was a, it was still a very yeah, serious right. story. You're
0: right. You're yeah. right.
1: And by the way, that was just one of the best movies ever. If you've never seen <laughs> Galaxy Quest and you yeah, like sci-fi, you that's <laughs> like a must bucket list movie.
0: <laughs> I'm pretty sure most people have seen it if they like sci-fi. Oh, not that's, everybody.
1: It's amazing. I know. Not yeah. a, It's never everybody, but... Yep. It's on Amazon Prime right now, I believe. Speaking of Star Trek. Deep
0: thoughts with Captain Influence. Does anyone really know why Jean-Luc Picard has an English accent, even though he is French? Maybe in the future they have accent transformations like we have gender transformations, except they result in baldness.
1: (laughs) I couldn't help but laugh at that one. That is so awesome. Oh, I love that. And that is true. There has never been a truer statement spoken. Well, thanks for listening number one, today. Number one. It's time for some Earl Grey. I'm hot, French. Hot. Hot. Give it to me. No. You know what? I <laughs> I kind of have enjoyed our, uh, you know, when I was doing Twitch for a while and I still am, but we will do more of it later. It's kind of funny to do my commentary in Jean-Luc Picard's voice.
0: Yeah, it's totally fun. And it's I don't know different. why you don't do it more.
1: Well, I just eventually it tires the voice out. I got to be careful about that. But uh, well, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Captain Influence, as always. Thank you for
0: having me always, man. It's always such a good time.
1: Yeah, it was really a fun episode. I really enjoyed this. So hopefully it was positive. We got you challenged a little bit. We always do that. But then, uh, you know, the the typical entertainment, always have a good time here. Now, I do understand, (laughs) speaking of challenge, by the way, that Lord Thunder is not happy about Copter Carl's gauntlet challenge last week. So who can blame him? Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting I'm waiting. I was like, and so, so hopefully next week we'll have a bit of a, a fight.
0: I'm surprised that, that Lord thunder would even give Copter Carl any of his time. Honestly. Uh, yeah. But yeah and maybe like, He, he must be hovering over his house for hours on end, shining his spotlight in his windows. He could be, because that's the only reason why anyone would accept the challenge period.
1: Well, maybe he hasn't left all week. Oh,
0: that would suck. I'm yeah, sorry. He's just
1: sitting there hovering. Had you
0: know, it was bad enough filling. when he was over my house for like two hours. It's ugh. yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, if you're just trying to sleep and all you hear is outside, you know, spotlights <laughs> shining in your window at night. I mean, you could call the police, but what are the police going to do?
0: Really, they're going to call the FAA, and then what are they going to do?
1: Well, that's true. Well, I, you know what? Here's the thing. If there's one thing I've learned about Copter Carl, he can't be stopped, and I don't know why. I Crazy. Don't know. But you know what the music means.
0: I do. Yes.
1: Well, thank you. So, you know, we'll have our show notes and blog posts and stuff like that. And then uh, some really cool stuff's coming. We got next week is going to be a fun week too. And uh, anyway, thank you so much again for listening. So much appreciate it. Check out our Patreon. Check out the website, realbryanshow.com. Go there for all the links. Thank you again and have a glorious week. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.